Hey guys, welcome back to The Drive Home with Timothy. My name is Dustin. Uh, I'm glad you could be here. We're going to talk today about the 1904 Olympics and specifically the marathon from the 1904 Olympics. The Olympics used to not be a big deal. And um, in fact, there was something else going on at the time. These, these 1904 Olympics were in St. Louis, Missouri, and there was something else in St. Louis at the time that was a much bigger deal than the Olympics, and that was the World's Fair. Uh, the World's Fair, I guess, was a big deal. I don't know if it still is. People would come from all around the world, uh, but I guess it was a big deal because they would come to like, they'd have like Ferris wheels and corn dogs and funnel cakes and stuff and like meetings about the world and then everybody would go home. But w- they, they planned the Olympics to be in the same place at the same time because they were like, well, we got people from around, around the world anyway. They're going to be here. Maybe we convinced them, we can convince them to be in like a bobsled or figure skating or whatever. And it actually worked. There were a couple of people that were from South Africa that were in town for the World's Fair who did not, they literally did not know what the Olympics was. And once they got there, they were like, oh, hey, there's a marathon. Let's run the marathon. We like to run. And they showed up barefoot at the starting line and ran the marathon. Um, But this marathon was the most, up to this point anyway, and maybe still is, but was the most difficult course that you could run for a marathon. And the reason was, this goes through downtown St. Louis, which was pretty densely populated even 100 years ago. And this is before there were cars everywhere, and the streets were full of dust. There were, they said that throughout most of St. Louis, there was one to two inches of dust just lining the streets. And the runners had to deal with, they had their support cars with their handlers and trainers going next to them and sometimes just ahead of them. So they're kicking up all of this dust and they have to run through a dust cloud for 26 miles in late August. It's over 90 degrees. And to make it worse, they're only allowed to drink water at mile 11. The guy who organized the race was studying the effects of dehydration on the human body And so he wanted to intentionally dehydrate these people who were running through a dust bowl in 90 plus degrees with high humidity. So there was a well on the side of the road at mile 11 and they were allowed to walk over to the little Andy Griffith show well and crank the handle and pull the bucket up and drink some water and then send it back down and crank it back up again. Um, On top of this, there were a ton of hills on the course that they had to go up and down. There were trains and trolleys that they had to stop and wait for, delivery wagons, people out walk, walking their dogs. There was traffic everywhere. They, didn't, they had not yet invented those orange traffic cones. They didn't know how to, to block off a street and let people run. And there were only 32 people who entered the race and only 14 who finished, by the way. That's how hard the course was. But so they didn't, it wasn't a huge production. Most people didn't know there was a marathon happening. And so you had to just dodge people and get out of their way instead of the other way around. Um, of the people who ran, there were 10 Greeks who had never before run a marathon. They, again, just showed up at the World's Fair and they'd like, hey, I've always wanted to try that running thing. Maybe I'll make my first one in the Olympics. And they showed up. Um, one of my favorite stories that came out of this was a guy from Cuba who wanted so badly to be a marathon runner that he spent over a year before the Olympics raising money to get himself to St. Louis. He was running on the island of Cuba, he would run the length of the island and he got like sponsorships. You know that thing where you're at work and somebody's like, hey, 
my daughter's doing a thing at school where she runs a lap and uh, everybody pays 35 cents per lap. Do you want to? So he did that, but instead of laps around the school playground, it was laps around the country of Cuba and spent a year raising money. He, he raised enough to get himself to St. Louis, but when he got to New Orleans on his way there, he lost all of his money in a dice game. And he literally just had the clothes on his back. So he had to hitchhike and walk his way to St. Louis the rest of the way. He got there just in time for the race um, with only the clothes on his back, which were a long white sleeve t-shirt. A long white sleeve. That's not how you say that. A white sleeve, long sleeve, long sleeve t-shirt with dress slacks and street shoes. And one of the other runners sort of took pity on him and grabbed some scissors and cut off the bottom of his pants to make them into shorts. And that's how he ran the race. He also had not eaten anything in 40 hours before the race started. So he looked for his first opportunity to get a little bit of nutrition, as every runner should. And uh, a few miles into the race, he jumped off course, climbed a fence over into an apple orchard and stole a ton of apples and sat at the base of the tree and ate them. The apples apparently were rotten. And so he got intense stomach cramps, couldn't go on for very much longer. He laid down on the side of the course, took a nap for several hours, and then got up and finished the race in fourth place. That's that's a perfect description of the 1904 Olympic marathon. That dude had all that crap happen to him, still finished in fourth place. Uh, There was another guy who who at nine miles, he couldn't go any longer. The dust cloud was so bad. I mean, people couldn't see through it. It's in their eyes. It's in their mouth. I don't know how you could last 50 feet. This dude went nine miles and then gave up, and he jumped in one of those support cars, and he was happily waving to all the other runners that they were passing as it was taking him to the finish line. Um, At mile 19, the car broke down because, of course, the car broke down because it's the 1904 Olympic marathon. He decides... That's the universe telling him to continue on with the race. So he jumps out of the car and starts running the last seven miles towards the finish line. He's way in the lead now because he just got a taxi ride to the end. He finishes the race in first place. Everybody there is cheering, screaming, losing their mind. They can't believe what an amazing time he had. And President Roosevelt's daughter is there to award the gold medal. She puts a wreath around his neck. She probably kissed him on the cheek. That's what happens in the movies. She's about to put the the medal on his neck, and somebody in the crowd starts screaming, hey, I saw that guy. He was in a car. He cheated. And so he got caught. He ended up getting banned from racing for a year, which how do you do that? Like anybody can go run. Right, you can't just be like, "Don't run free." So he go, he gets banned for a year. He comes back a year later and wins the Boston Marathon. Um, that guy obviously was American, right? There's, that's a pretty American thing to do. Um, there was another American who almost became the first person to die during the Olympics, and uh, well, probably some of the ancient Greeks died. weren't the, I think the wrestling matches were like to the death and stuff. Uh, but one of the first modern people to die in the Olympics, he. he he barely survived. The dust was so thick in his lungs and in his mouth, he was swallowing all this dust. The dust ripped his stomach lining, and it, it made him cough blood from his lungs, and they found him unconscious on the side of the road. They had to rush him to the hospital to save his life, and when he got there, the doctors told him that if he'd been left unconscious for another hour or less, he would have been dead. So he was lucky to just 
continue life, let alone, you know, enter the race. Um, one of these South African gentlemen I told you about, did I tell you about him? I think I told you about him. A couple of South Africans just showed up barefoot to run. One of them, halfway through the race, got chased a mile off course by wild dogs. And then <laughs> once he was able to finally shake the dogs, he had to retrace his steps and continue on barefoot. He finished in ninth place. Not bad. Not bad. Um, one of the supposedly best runners at the time was a man named Thomas Hicks. He was American. I don't think, I think it sounds like this was the first time that an, that Americans were ever really had a shot to win the Olympic marathon. So people were pretty pumped about it. Um, but this Thomas Hicks, Thomas Hicks guy was one who was favored to win and he made it the first 10 miles and he stopped and begged for water. He was like, I can't do, I can't go on another step. They convinced him that that little, um, you know, Opie whale, Opie, what was Opie's last name from the Andy Griffith show? Probably Opie Griffith. No, cause his name was something different. Opie Fife. That was Barney Fife. Anyway, I gotta stop with the Andy Griffith jokes. Then it's not, it doesn't, he had, they told him he was only a mile away from the well. So he hurried up to the well, drank a ton of water and then continued on. By mile 18, he stopped. He couldn't do it anymore. He collapsed. And so his handlers jumped out of the car, and he was like, I need water. I can't finish the race or probably my life if you don't give me water right now. And they said, we don't have water. We have something even better. And they gave him egg whites mixed with strychnine. Now, if you don't know what strychnine is... It's this chemical. I think it occurs naturally in the body, but if you take it, it, they use it as rat poison. It's a stimulant, and if you give it to rats, their heart explodes. But if you give it to people, it makes them finish races when they're dehydrated, apparently, because this dude jumped up and kept on going, but a couple miles later, he was pretty much dead again. He was pale. He started hallucinating. Um... And so instead of giving him water to save his life, they gave him more strychnine. This time, instead of mixing it with egg whites, they mixed it with brandy. So now he's drunk and stimulated. Um, a couple miles from the finish line, they had to give him just one more giant shot of brandy. So as he's crossing the finish line, he thinks that he still has 20 miles to go in the race, he later said. He's got one of his handlers under each arm. They have completely lifted him off the ground and his feet are in a moving in a running motion. He thinks he's running, but he's not. By this point, he has lost eight pounds. He lost eight pounds during the race. Um, and he's hallucinating. He's crying. And he was carried across the finish line. It was the first recorded instance of performance-enhancing drugs. Um, it took several doctors over four hours in the stadium to save his life and make it safe enough for him to actually leave the stadium and go back to the hotel and try to get some sleep with all that strychnine rat poison in his blood. But because the other homeboy actually cheated and took a taxi ride to the finish, this dude was eventually declared the winner of the 1904 Olympic marathon. So there's probably some meaning in here somewhere about uh, perseverance and strychnine and like rotten apples and stuff. I'm not exactly sure what it is. I'll let you find your own meaning this week. But as always, thank you for listening.